Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. This morning, it's a great song. And uh, two or three weeks ago, we reminded ourselves that why these songs uh, come to the church in these days. Uh, we're not against old songs. Uh, we, we, uh, many of us love the old hymns. Uh, but the reality is we have, to, we have to capture the sound of what God is doing in the church today. And uh, God gets hold of people around the earth. He gets hold of brilliant uh, songwriters, musicians, lyricists who capture a sense of what God wants to say today so that we can declare to the principalities, the powers, the heavens, we can declare in the earth what God is doing. And uh, the reason that we've ran this little series is because there is an incredible battle on in the earth for identity. And uh, some of you that read and perhaps observe what's taking place in social context will realise that that is absolutely true. And so in week one, we sought to identify and affirm, reaffirm what God says about us. We recognised there was a contesting. We realised that we had to centre on Christ and then he confirms who we are and we need to keep saying who we are in him. Last week in the baptismal service, Christian reminded us that we are who we say we are because of who God says he is. And of course, we could have spent the whole of the week unbroken talking about God. But Christian reminded us that he's both the lion and the lamb. He's both strong and gentle. There's a beautiful balance to God. And this morning, we're going to talk particularly for a few moments about in this final expression of identity of pushing back on the fear of man. And uh, in a moment or two, I'm going to take us to a a couple of scriptures. The first one is 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 24. 1 Samuel 17, verse 24. And this verse is in the middle of one of the most well-known stories in the whole, not only the whole of the Old Testament, but the whole of the Bible. And I'll come back to it in a moment. But in verse 24 of 1 Samuel, if we can go back to the verse, that's it. Whenever the, whenever the Israelites saw the man, we'll come to the man in a minute, they all fled from him in great fear. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. And then if we could go to Proverbs 29 and verse 25, it says that the fear of man will prove or will bring a snare or will be a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. The Message Bible The fear of human opinion disables. Trusting in God protects us from that. The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. The fear of man of human opinions disables, but trusting in God protects us from that. I'm going to encourage us this morning in the few minutes that we have to increasingly remind ourselves in our identity in God that we do not need to be entrapped by the thoughts, the opinions and the words of others. 1 Samuel 17 uh, is the story of David and Goliath. Now, even people that aren't Christians that don't read the Bible would have had some understanding of David and Goliath. And of course, David and Goliath um, works itself out figuratively in life. So, for instance, uh, if there's a, a football game and there's a there's a team from the 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 uh, the third division uh, of the of the league playing 
So we had Newport County playing Manchester City the other day in the Cup. It was a David and Goliath contest. Uh, And uh, most times Goliath wins and they won 4-1. But just occasionally um, uh, the little little team triumph. Um, Every one of us at times... Those of us that are experienced in faith, those of us that are mature, those of us that are seeking to prevail, every one of us somewhere in our Christian journey on occasions gets confronted with a giant. And this morning I'm encouraging us not to be, as the Israelites did, full of fear, but to realise who we are in Jesus and so prevail and triumph and move forward. Let me try and set the scene for you for a few moments in the valley of uh, the battle which took place, the Valley of Elah. Nowadays, when we look at uh, modern 21st century battles, it's almost like uh, it's almost like sort of uh, games taking place as uh, as uh, the logistics, as the targets uh, are brought into place with such accuracy. But in ancient times, of course, it was very different to that. And the Philistines were something of a thorn in the flesh to the Israelites. They would often come and seek to battle against them. And in this particular instance, uh, there was a valley of Elah, and on one hill were the Philistines, and on the other side were uh, the Israelites. And uh, they'd drawn their battle lines, and the Philistines were hugely confident that they were going to win because they got an ace in the pack And his name was Goliath. Let me just read a little bit about Goliath in verse 4 of 1 Samuel 17. It's not on the screen, but just listen. He says, a champion named Goliath was from Gath and he came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. I'll explain that in a moment. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. And on his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. This guy was big. Um, the tribe of Gath was, was known as, uh, as producing tall people. Um, he'd have been great at basketball in the modern day context. Because he was around about nine feet tall. And in the notes of, uh, of my Bible, the Bible very helpfully gives me both imperial and metric measurements. And we've got people in the room this morning saying, imperial? <laughs> but when you get on a bit like me, you get it. <laughs> so he was around about nine feet tall or three meters in, in modern day terms. And uh, the Bible says that his coat of armour was 5,000 shekels of brass or around about 125 pounds or around about 58 kilograms. And the point on his spear was 600 shekels of iron which was around about 15, 16 pounds or again around about 7 kilograms. This guy was a big dude. And uh, he sort of carried his armour. And the Bible says for 40 days, he roared out his taunts across the valley. 
Because what had been decided in this particular battle was that, that someone would represent the Philistines and someone would represent the Israelites and whoever happened to prevail would be the winner of the whole of the battle. Imagine it, 40 days, every day in February and then even into March, this guy's getting up every day. Now the Bible is very polite. It's economic with its language. But just imagine what was coming out of it. He wasn't saying, oh, beautiful Israelites. I would like to fight with somebody. Who'd like to take me on? You. That's what we got. Don't go there because it's going gonna, it's gonna to distract you. It's going to distract you from the message. But his language was contemptuous. And in verse 32, every time the Israelites heard the roar, they were filled with fear. The fear of man brings a snare. It entraps. The opinions of others can bring us to a place where we are disabled in terms of our responses. And so we find ourselves thinking, well, there's a complete impasse here and there's only going to be one winner. I want to just try and remind you for a moment how the Israelite soldiers felt and there's three things that are going to come up on the screen. And it may be this morning that you are confronted with a, a, a giant in your own life and, uh, and uh, some of these things will just work out in terms of what you're doing. The first one's forlorn, if we can just put that up. There we go. We could take the other one off. That'll help us. So the impact of fear. Firstly, now if we could put the other one up. The impact of fear. The first one is that he's forlorn. He's forlorn. What does that mean? Well, it means that... um, It literally means desperate. It means that we're in a parlous state. It means that there seems to be no way out of the circumstance that we're in. I run again to Psalm 69 and verse 1. Save me, O Lord, for the waters have come up to my neck. I've always liked sport, but I've never liked swimming. I just can't, you know, there's so many times. (laughs) And once, many, many years ago, I went on holiday with some young people and uh, we were in Cornwall and I grabbed a surfboard, not a very good swimmer, honestly, for about 20 minutes I was nearly gone. And uh, so every time I read that verse, it sort of brings not so good memories back. I wonder if this morning you're here and there's a giant that disables you and you feel completely hopeless. And then there's a thought that he could feel forsaken. Another word here that could stand for forsaken is rejection. I wonder if the giant over your life is, I wish you'd never been born. I'm not talking to kids now, I'm talking to adults, 30, 40, 50 years of age, and you've carried that giant all your life, knowing that actually nobody ever wanted you. David reminded us in the worship time that God loves us. And I want to say this morning that if that's you, you weren't an accident. You were right in the purpose of God. Your, your past doesn't determine your present, and God wants to, you to walk into a God-ordained destiny in his plan and his purpose, knowing that you are chosen of him. I wonder if you were the person that was said, you're thick, you'll never make anything, you're clueless. I wonder if you were the person on the end of 
comments like, I wish you dropped dead. And so we could go on. And people that allow rejection, forsakenness to engulf their heart and spirit. You know, people work it out in different ways. If you don't find the answer in Jesus, you might end up drinking too much. You might end up taking substances that you shouldn't take. You might end up being in company that you shouldn't be in. But the reality is the enemy is going to keep letting you hurt yourself because he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And Jesus says that he's come that we might have life in all of its fullness. And somewhere in all of that, you've got to find an answer. And you've got to find a way out. And then what about failure? Failure. Failure so entraps people where we pick over it and pick over it and pick over it and pick over it. I failed. I'm a failure. I failed. I failed. I failed. I failed. And we can never even think that we could possibly be a success going forward. Let me give you an example of somebody that failed. He says that this man failed in his first attempt at business. Then he tried politics and he failed there too. He went back to business and had another try and he failed again. Three failures in three years. And then his fiance, after four years of courting him, they never got married, David, she left him. And then he got involved in a relationship with another woman. She died. He then tried again the political world and was defeated in his bid to be the elected speaker of the house. He then, over a number of years, suffered a number of defeats in seeking to gain political office. But finally, in 1860, Abraham Lincoln was elected as the 16th president of the United States of America, 24 years after his first failed business venture. A failure? I don't think so. I don't think there's a person across the room today that could navigate every experience of life that, God, that they've been taken through and on occasions not say, you know what, I failed there. I failed. And a sense of failure can so engulf our spirit at times that it disables us. And so here we've got an army being ridiculed day after day after day after day. The roar of the giants standing tall over them. The fear of man completely entrapping their lives. Forlorn, forsaken and failed. And then a little teenage guy came along whose name was David. And David had been sent from Bethlehem, which was nearby to the Valley of Elah, by his father to take some cheese and bread um, in those days, they wouldn't have a logistics core in place to make sure that the food line got to the front line. It would be by the help of families and friends that would send food to the war in soldiers. And in, ver- in chapter 16, the previous chapter to chapter 17, we realise that David's identity had been wonderfully confirmed by an amazing, powerful prophetic word. I'm going to go there very quickly again this morning, but... Many of you will know that, uh, that uh, God gave a word to the prophet Samuel and said, Samuel, I want you to go to Bethlehem to the house of Jesse because I've rejected Saul as king and I'm going to anoint with oil a new king if you will go down to the house. And many of you know the story well, how that the seven eldest sons of Jesse came before the prophet and the first three particularly tall, broad, strong Looked absolutely ideal to be the new king. God says, nope, nope, nope. And then this is how it works in prophetic ministry at times. Because it's a work of a... Is there any other sons that you've got? Because he thought he'd heard wrong. And uh, 
So there's a bit of desperation in his voice. And Jesse says, oh yeah, there's David in the field. And the Bible describes David as the youngest. But in the original language of the New Testament, it's not only speaking about him being young, but least. In other words, even his dad and his brothers are tried to enshrine him in an identity of leastness that said he wasn't even worthy to stand before the prophet. Maybe he felt forlorn. Maybe on occasions he felt forsaken. Maybe at times he felt a failure. But Samuel says, will you bring David to me? And as he walked through the room, and there's that lovely old-fashioned expression of his ruddy appearance, rosy red cheeks, a young teenage boy, God says to Samuel, arise, anoint him with oil because this is the new king of Israel. Now, in the power of that identity, God was going to take him on a journey. Let me just say, friends, that when God speaks into our lives at times, on occasions, it takes time to work out what he has said. So you might think that you're going to be the greatest evangelist since Billy Graham. That's brilliant if God said it. But there may be a few tests on the way just to develop your character, just to make sure you can carry it. And so David was anointed king, but he wasn't yet king. He was still a shepherd boy. And here there's a test. And in the assurance of God's anointing, whilst he's serving the food and whilst he goes to say hello to his brothers Goliath appears on the scene again and roars out another taunt to the Israelite soldiers and it says in verse 23 that David heard it but David rather than quaking with fear somehow had something come upon him in the purposes of God that says that I will take this king on the bible tells us in revelation 1 and verse 6 that we're all kings and priests to god i don't want to stretch that this morning but i want you to realize that in jesus christ there is something within us that doesn't have to be contained by the taunts of this world and so as we come towards the end of the message there's three things I want you to think about as we realise this morning that we can learn off the example of David. The first one is determination. Because in verse 32, it says, Let no one lose heart. Your servant will go and fight him. These guys have been quaking for weeks. And this teenage boy comes on the scene and says, Don't worry, guys. I'm going to take him on. I'm going to... Take him on. He met with scepticism from his brothers. You know, sometimes the people's closest to you can be the most sceptical about what God wants to do in you. And you're going to have to measure it. Joseph's brothers, you. Jesus' close family, you. David's brothers, you. And there's times in my own life that I've burst into situations and shared with uh, things with people close and people that I would call friends. And sometimes I've not always got the response that I was expecting. So he met with skepticism and then he met with doubt from King Saul. But David was undeterred. 
There's a song we used to sing that says, be bold, be strong, because the Lord, your God, is with you. And I'm calling out a spirit of determination in people this morning. People that perhaps have been entrapped uh, in their uh, God-given identity by the opinions of others. Things that people have said over you, even people sometimes very close to you. And God says this morning, in boldness and strength, move forward into what he has got for your life. And then secondly, there's dependence. There's dependence because the story begins to go on and some of the soldiers, despite the scepticism of of David's brothers, heard what David was saying and he found an audience with the king. He reiterated that he felt in the boldness of God that he was able to go down and take the giant on and God would give him a mighty victory. And so King Saul, in a rather protective way, says, well, I tell you what, you can have my armour. And he tries the armour on. It's completely ill-fitting. He says, I cannot go in these. And here's the truth this morning that I really want you to grasp in this whole thought of God saying, I am who you say I am. You're not called to go in somebody else's identity. You're called to go in what God has called you to be. Stop living by comparison. Saying, I wish I was like that person on the platform. I wish I could play the guitar like him. I wish I was good at talking with people like her. Be who God has called you to be. Don't try and wear somebody's ill-fitting armour. It won't work. God has called you to find a fit in the body of Christ that is exactly the fit for you and nobody else can do it. And so he pushed aside the armour and he moved in the security of who he was. No armour. It says that he went down, he took a staff and some stones and his trusty sling and off he set to confront the giant. I wonder what he was thinking about in those moments as he moved towards taking on the nine foot high monster from Gath. I suggest there's two things that helped his dependence. Number one, a confidence born of past experiences. Let me read verses 36 to 37 to you. He says, your servant has killed both a lion and a bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he's defiled the armies of the living God. And the Lord rescued him from the poor. The, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hands of the Philistines. David had already got a track record. When nobody is watching him in the dead of the night, in the obscurity of his lonely patrol of the sheep that belonged to his father, the lion came, the bear came. And he thwarted them in the strength of God's power. He had a confidence from past experiences. I say to people this morning, God, God is taking you through experiences. Nobody else is seeing them. Nobody else is knowing about them. But God is giving you these experiences to strengthen you in the destiny that still lies ahead of you. There's bigger challenges to come. There's greater battles. There's taller giants. But you will go in independence of if God has helped me in the past, he's going to help me in the future. And we thank God for that. Why do we have to go through certain experiences in our Christian walk at times? We were talking in staff meeting last Tuesday about tests. And why does God at times test us? 
Because he's got a bigger plan in mind. And if we'll keep prevailing in the tests, God will give us the ultimate victory. At times these challenges may uh, seem to sort of go against what God wants to do. But we always trust him in the bigger picture. There wasn't only a confidence of past experiences, but there was a conviction in God's power. God would be his deliverer. However unlikely the contest seemed, God would come and the spiritual would prevail against the natural. The Bible says in Romans 1 and verse 17 that we go from strength to strength. It may be this morning that you've got to begin your journey of Christian living. And it will seem sort of just a small step into faith. But we have people all over this place this morning, all over this church, that have gone from strength to strength. Sometimes they've had to navigate some incredibly difficult situations. But God has continued to give muscle to their lives so that they prevail in every situation. It was interesting how the prayers were led this morning because I wrote in my notes, remember God is not just a God of history, the past, but also a God of prophecy, the present and the future. And it seems very clearly this morning that God is saying to Arena Ilkeston, please don't be determined by your past, but find your present so that you might live in your future and do it with a holy dependency in the Lord. Verse 45, I come against you, David says to the Goliath, in the name of the Lord Almighty. So there was determination. There was dependence. And as we close this morning, I want you to see there was deliverance. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone. Don't we love reading the Bible backwards? We knew we were going to win all that time. (laughs) But I've tried to take you to the Valley of Elor this morning. I've tried to take you with that little lad staring up at the nine foot giant. I've tried to take you a little bit into the emotion of what he felt. And how he pressed through in his gods. And God gave him a mighty deliverance. Listen to this. Maybe the contest wasn't quite as unequal as we all first thought. Somebody wrote this about slingers. He says, slingers took an extra- slinging took an extraordinary amount of skill and practice. But in experienced hands, the sling was a devastating weapon. Paintings from medieval times show slingers hitting birds in mid-flight. Slingers were able to hit a corn, coin from as far away as they could see. And in the Old Testament book of Judges, slingers are described as being accurate within an air's breath. An experienced slinger could kill or seriously injure a target at a distance of up to 200 yards. The Romans even had a special set of tongs made just to remove stones that had been embedded in some poor soldier's body from the stone of a sling. Here's what Aiton Hirsch, a ballistics expert expert with the Israeli Defence Forces, said. He did a series of calculations showing that a typical sized stone hurled by an expert slinger at a distance of 35 metres would have hit Goliath's head with a velocity of 34 metres per second, more than enough to penetrate his skull and render him 
unconscious. In terms of stopping power, this is the equivalent to a fair-sized modern handgun. Hirsch writes that David could have slung and hit Goliath in little more than one second, a time so brief that Goliath would have not been able to protect himself and during which he would have been stationary for all practical purposes. David had something in his hands, but he had something in his heart. And the reality is, friends, that God is well able to give us uh, what we need in our hand. The word of God says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, earthly, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds that can do devastating damage to the powers of darkness. 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that's in you than he's in the world. 1 John 5, 4, This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. As we come to a close, and as we close off this little series that reminds us of the power of identity, I don't want to underestimate, as I started off three weeks ago, that there's a battle raging. There's a battle that rages over me, and there's a battle that rages over you. But here's the truth, friends. In Jesus Christ this morning, God wants us to win. He wants us to prevail. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us not to be defined by our past, but to walk into our future. He wants us to realize that those experiences, tough as they were at times, testing to the extreme, are all there to define us for what he wants to do in our lives. He wants you to be used in a mighty way for him so that you may be a delivering agent of his purposes and plans in the earth. Brothers and sisters of Arena Ilkeston, let's live in all that God says we are. Let's live this morning because of who he says about himself. And let's live this morning not contained by the words or the opinions of others that entrap. Let's not this morning allow the fear of man to bring a snare. Let's not allow human opinions, be they on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever source of communication comes to us today that tries to define us. Let's not trust in those things, but trust in God that protects us from all of that and let's allow the spirit of David to become upon us today I may be sending you out and you say it's okay for you Phil but it's like there's a nine foot giant standing in front of me in the circumstances of my life I understand that but I I send you out this morning with a fresh spirit of determination I send you out this morning with a fresh sense of dependency upon God and yes I send you out to believe that God will bring a deliverance in your particular situation for the glory of God and for the praise of his name. Because we move from here this morning, not just talking earthly things about ourselves, but confessing again, I am who you say I am.